Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Larson, come take your liberty tonight. Preach to me. God bless you. Hallelujah. 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 Well, praise the Lord. Let's just go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I like what I feel in the house of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. We are so blessed to be able to feel God's presence. We're so blessed to be able to come in and be ministered to, but at the same time, ministering to Him in praise. Uh, hallelujah. And worshiping Him like our good pastor was talking about. An audience of one. Hallelujah. I want Him to see me clapping my hands. I want to see him, uh, me leaping for joy. I want Him to hear my cry. Hallelujah. And glory be to God. Amen. There's just something that happens when you begin to praise the mighty God. Amen. It feels good to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know what else to do sometimes, but I'll just lift up my hands and I'll just begin to magnify the Lord. Amen. Come on. Let's just lift up our voice one more time and begin to magnify the Lord because we are in battle right now. When we come into the house of God and you begin to worship and praise the Lord, there is a battle that's taking place. And I know what side I'm on. We are on the winning side. And if you you know that you can have a vision and you can understand that God is on your side and God's going to fight the battle with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just need to give him a war cry sometime. Hallelujah. Ain't he good? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Hallelujah. I just want to give honor to Pastor Bishop, Pastor and all the ministry here, all the saints of God, everyone that's here. Hallelujah. Everyone that's here, I'm so thankful for the, the faithfulness of God's people that come into the house of God. And there's a blessing that you get when you come into the house of the Lord. Uh, that you can't get from Facebook or social media. I'm telling you, when you come into the presence of the Lord, there's some things that can happen. I remember pastoring the first time at an apostolic church, and I was listening to that preacher preach for the first time, my first apostolic message. I'll never forget the title. The title was Lost on Good Intentions. You know we can be lost if we have just good intentions. We got to put the feet to the pedal to the metal if we're going to move the vehicle. And that's what praise is about. That's what the word of God is about. That's what all the things that we do is about for the glory of God. And when he preached that message, I, I was holding on the back of that pew. My back, uh, my knuckles were white and uh, the pastor had to send somebody, somebody back there and said, watch that guy, he looks a little crazy. But I'll tell you what, God had filled me with the Holy Ghost several years earlier, but I wasn't in the fullness of the truth. But I, I, I couldn't wait for the pastor really to be quiet and just shut up so I could get down to the altar because I knew what I had to do. I knew that I had to get down and repent, and God refilled me and renewed me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost two years later when I came into an apostolic church, and within a month and a half, I was baptized in the name of Jesus. God took away all my sins. He took away my past. He took away everything that used to hinder me and he began to give me the things that I desired when my, when my heart got in line with the word of God. Hey man, I don't know about you, but I am excited to, to be able to worship this God that we call Jesus. Jesus is his name, hey amen. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hey amen, I don't want to delay. I want to get straight to the word. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 25. Again, I like what I feel in this house. God is, is up to something. 
I said, God is up to something. And as long as he's up to something, I'm happy. Because he's always moving. But that's why we've got to get engaged, amen, with worship. I'm not going to read through this whole text out of Matthew chapter 25, but I do want to move quickly through it. So I'm just going to read a couple selected verses, starting at Matthew 25, verse 31. The Bible says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And verse 34 says, Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the, of the world. If we can just go down to verse 40, the scripture says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye have done it unto me, uh, one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Everybody say eternal reward. Okay, and then we look at verse 41, the Bible says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. If you skip down to verse the last uh, verse of the scripture here in verse 46, and the scripture says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, everybody say the righteous, into life eternal. Hallelujah. I'm thankful that my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. If you've been baptized in the name of Jesus and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got something to rejoice about. You've got something to be happy about because this world can't offer anything to me, but Jesus can. God can. And I am thankful and I look for that day. I yearn for that day of eternal life with my master forever and ever and ever. If there's not anything that drives you, the one thing that should drive you more than anything else is knowing that I've got a reward and I'm going to be at my master's feet and I'm going to take the crown and I'm going to cast it before him and I'm going to worship him forever and ever and ever. If that's not what your motivation is, I don't know what it should be, but that should be your main motivation, knowing that one of these days we're going to get up out of this place and we're going to be with Jesus forever. Hallelujah. That just That's why I like to run the aisles. That's why I like to clap. That's why I like to shout. Hallelujah because he's the king of the saints hallelujah and when I shout he begins to shout when I begin to rejoice when you begin to rejoice he begins to rejoice hallelujah Jesus rejoiced when he understood when he began to talk to him about uh, 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 devils and the apostles and the disciples being able to cast out devils he said don't rejoice over that rejoice because your name is written in heaven amen hallelujah Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. God's good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 3 and 11. I don't know if they gave me my title yet, but if you can hold on that title, you can put it up here in a little bit. But Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, the, uh, John the Baptist is saying, and I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff 
with unquenchable fire. Acts chapter 1 and 4 says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. If you haven't figured it out, I'm talking to you about fire today. I'll give you my title here in just a minute, but there's something perplexing. There's something majestic, powerful, peaceful, even destructive, awesome, and many other adjectives to describe the word fire. It, it all depends on your perspective and emotions that are dictated by your experiences with fire. When you think about a fire, a lot of things come to mind. My mind goes back to when the days of my youth, I remember my dad allowing me to, to throw leaves and twigs in the fire into a kid. That was a big deal. It was awesome to be able to do that and listening to the crackling of the flames and watching the, 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 the leaves be consumed and the smoke going up and the smell that smoky uh, smell of the, of the timber. And it was just such a wonderful experience as a young man and I've always been fascinated with fire and how peaceful it could be when gazing at it while listening to the crackling sound that's produced when the wood is being consumed by fire there's countless times that it was just me the stars and a fire and even the presence of God hallelujah just sitting and looking at the fire I was privileged as a young kid to be able to build those fires growing up my father had an open pit fireplace outside on the back side of our patio we always had things to burn because we had a lot of trees down the property lines and he would be cutting things down and I would be dragging them and throwing them in the fire and just helping them out with all those things and I, I was doing a chore and helping him and I was enjoying every bit of it and he didn't have to give me an allowance to do it because I just loved to throw stuff in the fire and watch it burn. So I guess you could say I'm maybe a pyromaniac, but I'm going to say, I'm going to have to say a pyromaniac for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I remember helping my dad with burning things and many times just doing it myself just because I loved the fire. I loved roasting marshmallows and hot dogs on the fire. Still do. Fire is something I've always enjoyed as a kid growing up as well and I can't tell you exactly why I'm so fascinated with fire but it might have something to do with an occasion that happened to me when I was just a toddler. As a kid growing up my family would go on camping trips and what is a Camping trip without a campfire, right? Got to have a campfire. Amen. I'm not sure if I can completely uh, recollect what happened to me, but I was only a toddler, just a young kid. Anyhow, I, I heard the story from a few eyewitnesses that observed the almost tragic event. So the story goes that I was sitting with my family in a high chair around the campfire, and as I was sitting there, I began rocking my high chair back and forth because of the ground being unsteady, my chair and I moved forward quickly into a blazing hot fire. I think all the mothers, their alarm clocks are going off right now. <laughs> Hallelujah, that parental uh, taking care of their kids. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But amazingly, I had to kind of leave a little cliff hammer there, but amazingly as I was going head first into the fire, the young man reached out and caught me in the high chair and the high chair from tipping into the fire. The young man was a friend of the family and his name was Mickey Crowley. To you, Mickey Crowley probably doesn't amount to much at all, but uh, Mickey Crowley was a, a hero to me. Amen. Amen. So, it hadn't been for, if it hadn't been for his quick reflexes, his reaction when I almost fell into that fire, there's no telling 
what might have happened to me. So I'll never forget Mickey Crowley. I'll never forget what he did. Consequently, and ironically, Mickey Crowley became an RN working in a burn unit specializing in taking care of burn victims. It's kind of funny. Mickey's life and career became about saving people from the fire and the damaging effects of fire. In, compar in comparison, it seems like my life has always been or seems like I've been compelled or drawn by the fire. There's just something about fire. You just think about Memories, good memories, bad memories, all different types of, of memories when you look into fire. So I want to preach to you on the subject today, the subject of the story of two fires. The story of two fires. As we looked at in Matthew chapter 3, we read the words of John the Baptist. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I want to establish early on that there's really only one true fire, and that is which comes from God alone. The creation of fire and all things were created by God. Colossians 1 in 16 tells us, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. There's two eternal manifestations of fire that John the Baptist is talking about in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 12. He talks about there's one that's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost fire. There's a one that's going to baptize and that the Spirit of the Lord is not just going to, where you're going to feel it on the outside, but it's going to come on the inside and it's going to spring up from your belly like a well, springing up with rivers of living water. He was talking about there's going to be one that's going to not just baptize in water like like I baptized you. But there's one that you're going to be filled with the spirit of the almighty God on the inside of you. I don't know, am I talking to an apostolic church today? Hallelujah. Who's been filled with the Holy Ghost? Who's been filled with the power of God's spirit, with the evidence of speaking with tongues as the spirit of God gives the utterance? I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm thankful that I can feel his presence. I'm thankful that we can come into the house of God and we don't have a lukewarm church. We come in and we feel the presence because there's people warming up the atmosphere with prayer and in worship and in praise. And I'm thankful that it's a holy fire that's in this place. It's a holy fire because it's his spirit that fills this place. And there's nothing greater than the holy fire of God being in the environment of a place, but also on the inside of you uh, bubbling up uh, out of your belly. Hallelujah. So why do I rejoice? That's one of the reasons right there because of what God has done and how he turned things around, not just for me, but for the people that are in this place today. But John the Baptist wasn't just talking about the Holy Ghost fire. He was also talking about unquenchable fire. Matthew 13 and 30 tells us, and Jesus is referring to this unquenchable fire. It says, let both growth, 
or both grow together until the harvest and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn so the tares or the, the chaff or the, the un, unwanted parts of the wheat is going to get thrown and it's going to be cast into the fire and as I opened up in Scripture in Matthew, Jesus talks, it talks about the angels and Jesus dividing the, the sheep from the goats and that there's going to be a judgment someday where Jesus is going to split the two and, and some are going to be in the flames of fire for eternity in damnation and suffering and loss and there's going to be some that are going to be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. So you've got to understand, I've got to understand that this is serious business when it comes to understanding what God is doing in our lives and not just that he wants us to be full of the Holy Ghost uh, but he wants us to tell it as our good pastor was talking about earlier uh, to, 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 to make it known the praises of God and I, I actually got that scripture I'm going to be getting to that a little bit here in a minute but ultimately the creation of fire comes from God and I assert to you today that is more about how you handle and treat the fire than the fire itself the result in the revelation of this comes down to two different fires that I will emphasize. These two fires are strange fire and holy fire. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about strange fire. In short, strange fire would be considered unholy or profane. Anything that would be contrary to God's law. We see two men that offered strange fire in Leviticus 10 and 1. The death of Nadab and Abihu. Nadab and Abihu, the son of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense therein thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And they went out they went out there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord the meaning for strange in the Hebrew language means profane which means marked by contempt or irreverence for what is sacred it means to treat with irreverence profane the name of God to put to an improper or unworthy or degrading use or abuse Nadab and Abihu's sin was a, a usurpation of the infringement on duties which was entrusted on their father Aaron alone as the high priest. Believe it or not, these two men, this blows my mind, these two men, Nadab and Abihu, actually ate and dwelt in the presence of the Almighty before they lost their lives. You will find in Exodus chapter 24 and 9, the Bible says, Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his, clean, uh, in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. Nevertheless, these men were burned by the fire of the Lord because of their irreverence and their maltreatment towards the things of God. And it is said very shortly in Numbers 26 and 61, and Nadab and Abihu died when they offered strange fire before the Lord. 
So not only did the Lord just devour these two men with fire, but on, other, on another occasion in judgment, God rained fire and brimstone on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis chapter 19 and 24, the Bible says, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. It, it mentions fire from the Lord. It just wasn't fire that just came down out of nowhere, but it was fire from the Lord. It was judgment that came down upon that city. The the Bible says and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and, and then that which grew upon the ground there's even ref reference to this scripture in the New Testament in Jude chapter 1 and 7 it says even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh and set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire I'm talking to you about the story of two fires. I'm talking to you about the story of strange fire right now that can, may appear to be holy and look godly in some instances, but strange fire. I said strange fire is stated in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 5 saying having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away for of this sort are they which crept into houses and led captive, captive silly women laden with sins led away with diverse lust ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm thankful that I am in the truth church today. I'm thankful that God has given me the truth. I'm thankful that Jesus is the truth. I'm thankful that whatever God speaks becomes the truth. Hallelujah. That's why he can't lie because if he said it, hallelujah, it means it's true. Hallelujah. I'm thankful today that we have a church and we have men of God in this place that are preaching the word of God and preaching the word, the, the true word of God that's able to save our souls because of the foolishness of preaching. We talked about the story of strange fires, but now let's talk about some examples of stories about holy fire in the scriptures. The very first thing that one must understand about the true fire of God and the holy fire of God is that it must come no other way except through repentance, except through humility. There's only one way to come to God. Hallelujah. There's only one way, and we've got to humble ourselves, and we've got to come into his presence with a contrite heart. And Isaiah chapter 6 gives us a perfect depiction of that. It says, Then said I, Woe is me, Isaiah said, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar and he laid it upon my mouth and said lo this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged hallelujah Isaiah was able to go and do the work of the Lord just as we are able to go forth and do what God has called every spirit-filled believer that has been purged because of repentance and baptism in the mighty name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 2 verse 38 never gets old to me and Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall ye shall ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost 
Ghost, ye shall receive and be baptized by the baptizer of fire. You shall come into his presence and be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Because you will find when you study in the scriptures that the Holy Ghost and the fire are one. Holy Ghost fire. There's no Holy Ghost without the fire. You got the fire and the Holy Ghost and they are one. Just as God is one. I'm not preaching in an apostolic church today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Repentance always proceeds before the fire. Without humility and without a contrite heart, there can be no holy fire offering before God. You can't give an offering to God without a holy fire, and it only comes through repentance. And after repentance, you can find many altars. But the main altar is the altar. It was the brazen altar when they would come in with their offering into the gates. And I will enter his gates, what, with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. When they would bring the, that, that animal or whatever sacrifice it was bringing into the, into the door of the tabernacle, the very first thing that was there was the brazen altar. And just out of facts, I always thought this was fascinating, but the altar was so big that you could take every other one of the instruments uh, 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 throughout the whole tabernacle and put them inside of that altar. So what does that tell you about the altar? What does that tell you about prayer? What does that tell you about sacrifice? That means something to God. Amen. Amen. Psalms chapter 34 and 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51 says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. I believe this was one of many reasons why David was a man after God's own heart because David understood that it wasn't just a bullock. It wasn't just something that he would offer into the fire and say, okay, my sins are taken care of. But David understood that there had to be a brokenness. There had to be a godly sorrow on the inside of him. and That's why I believe even above the worship and above the praise and everything else, David had a revelation of the mercy of God who has a revelation of the mercy of God today who's been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ hallelujah who was a, once a sinner but you came into his presence and he began to wash your wounds and he began to pour oil and wine into the wounds and began to heal you and touch you in places that no other man or any other person or other situation could do but only for the hands of mercy that could come and touch Holy fire will give you a trust and a confidence in God that will shut the mouth of lions. It's the same fire the enemy would try to use to devour you that God will turn around and use to protect you like the three Hebrew children. Daniel 3 tells us, and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning furnace. If you skip down to verse 22, it says, therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Didn't even touch those three Hebrew boys. And they had confidence in their God. Whether I die or I live, it doesn't matter. I am not going to bow down to your God. I'm not going to bow down and I'm not going to listen to the music that's ungodly and holy. If I'm going to listen to any music, it better have some meaning. And Jesus better be lifted up like Pastor was talking about today. Hallelujah. I want to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. How about you today? 
The Bible says that the most mighty men that were in his army, the holy fire of God will give you the power to shake things off. Just as Paul did in Acts chapter 28, in verse 3, Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, and there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And it says, and when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom thou he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. But Acts chapter 28 and 5 says, and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Hallelujah. It says, howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. There's no doubt in my mind that was a venomous snake. And I don't like them either. <laughs> Pastor was talking about, I don't care what their kind of snake they are. I, I don't want to be around them, especially if they start speaking to me. Amen. But I'm telling you, there's a viper that's out after your soul. There's demons and there's things in this world and there's influence that wants to try to rob you of your, of your, of your salvation. When the viper comes and tries to spew its lies and tries to tell you that you're going to die or tries to tell you, don't forgive that person or attacks with envy, pride, strife, or lust, whatever it may be, you need to call on the Holy One that will bring the fire and will consume every poison that the enemy of your soul might throw at you. And we got to get the, our, our arm out or we got to get our body. You Sometimes you wonder why I shake a little bit or why I might be stomping so other people might be shaking. I'm telling you what, there's some things I'm shaking off in the spirit and I love what pastor was talking about today he said you know we, we so much focus on what's happening in the negative and the things that are happening but what if we just lift up our hands bless God and praise the Lord and have a move of God and just let the Holy Ghost do what the Holy Ghost wants to do and let's just cut loose and worship the Lord with everything that we have on the inside of us because he's worthy and if we just praise him because he's worthy he'll take care of the rest of the business He'll take care of all those demonic attacks that have come against you. He'll take care of it. When you begin to cry out to Jesus, I'm telling you, the devils know the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But I know the name of Jesus. And I know when you say the name of Jesus, something begins to shake. Hallelujah. In the atmosphere. And it begins to make the enemy real uncomfortable. And he can't stay around too long. When we worship God and know who the God is that we are worshiping. Matthew 28 and 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Luke chapter 24 and 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I believe everybody in this house has the Holy Ghost. That's in the house of God. But if you want the Holy Ghost and you need a renewing, there's a renewing in the Holy Ghost tonight. Hallelujah. There's a power, a regeneration. Hallelujah. That's waiting at the altar to bless you for the remainder of this week and the next week to come. Hallelujah. The power of the Holy Ghost is in this house. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about the contrast between strange or unholy fire and holy fire. Strange fire produces what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 15, 8 when he said, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Strange fire. When I was worshiping the Lord, I saw this church and I seen a blazing fire. And I saw a lot of other churches and it was just like a blue reddish flicker. And I said to God, I said, I am so thankful that I am in a church that's on fire for God and where the holy fire of God is at. We are blessed. We are a blessed people and there is no telling what God is going to do in this assembly if we continue to hold on to what we already got a hold of. Because what God is doing right now in this hour is the miraculous and it is not something that you can try to put a name tag on. In fact, there's elders that said they should have never put a name tag on this thing when it broke out in Pentecost in the early 1900s. And I'm saying this has always been something that's been going on going over and over and over over, but there was an outpouring that came into this place, but because man trifled with it, and man wanted to put a name on it, it got messed up. And man always has a funny way, it's called strange fire, that messes up what God is wanting to do in a local assembly, or a community, or a city, or a state, or a country, or a nation. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you, this contrast, strange fire, unholy fire, it is not the will of God to be praising God with your lips and not sincerely worshiping from your heart. It's not the will of God. God wants everything. What brings holy fire is knowing and declaring what every Jew knew growing up. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Let me tell you, a strange fire will tell you and, and, and demonstrates that an evil man seeketh only rebellion. Therefore a cruel message shall be sent against him but holy fire John 14 and 15 says Jesus said if you love me you'll keep my commandments so yes there is some things that we have to do there are some things that we have to obey there are some things that we have to do according to the word of the Lord if we want blessing and we want to offer up a fire that's holy and acceptable unto God but nevertheless, holy fire and holy, the holy one says in the rest of John chapter 10 and 10, 11, Jesus said, I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John chapter 10 and 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Strange fire will leave you in the darkness, but holy fire will separate the darkness from the light. Strange fire says you can live the way you want and you can just accept Jesus any old way you want but holy fire will speak to you and say hallelujah and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters saith the Lord Lord Almighty. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Hallelujah. My. Hallelujah. Holy fire will speak to you and say, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The result of strange fire. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own highs and prudent in their own sight. Strange fire, strange fire will do that. Not having and obeying the commandments of the Lord with all your heart and everything that you have on the inside of you, it's strange fire. But when we hear the voice of the Lord, when we see in the word of the Lord, and we begin to demonstrate, not just by what we hear, but like James said, to do it and to be a doer of the word of God. What is, what, what is it What is it to just to say it? But we need to also do it as the word of the Lord has admonished us to do time and time and time again the holy fire is calling and saying arise shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee behold the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people but the Lord shall rise up upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee and the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising John 8 and 12 says then spake Jesus again unto them saying I am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life John chapter 12 and 46 I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness Acts chapter 26 and 18 says to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God and they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Can we just entertain his presence just for a moment? Let's just lift up his name right now. Hallelujah. How many times have you said the name of Jesus? We sang about it earlier. When did you say the name of Jesus? Hallelujah. And a barrier came and blocked the enemy and blocked the devices that tried to come to destroy you. But you knew the name of the Holy One and you began to call on his name and something began to happen. It might not have happened that first time, but as you began to lift up your voice, voice as you begin to lift up your hands and surrender you understood that there was a God that was going to come into that situation and deliver you come on let's worship him Sometimes we just need to digest the word of God. I know I'm moving quickly. But man, I knew I was fighting something last night. There was just a block. And I was studying, trying to get all these scriptures together. So I knew, I just knew that God was up to something. And now I know why. 
Hallelujah, because he's mighty. And he's delivered us time and time and again. And he's going to continue to deliver and set free and make us who we need to be. And not just set, but make us free. Amen. I do have to pause and digress here for a moment. You'll see where I'm going here in just a minute. But again, I want to remind you I'm preaching to you about the story of two fires. The story of two fires. This is imperative that I stress to you what I'm about to say to you right now. The world, Satan, and all his imps, and all of their forces want and desire to sift you as wheat and destroy you just as Satan tried to do to Peter. Scripture tells us in Luke... Jesus speaking to Simon, he says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But praise the Lord, Jesus said, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith shall not, shall, shall thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. You may be saying to yourself right now, I don't really need this message. I know everything that Brother Larson's talking about. Well, if that's the case, we need to pick up where Jesus left off and we need to pray. We need to pray to strengthen the brethren. We need to pray, just like the church of Philadelphia talking about the love, the, the city of love and loving the, uh, the brotherly love. We need that love and we need that passion to fill this place for sinners and saints alike. There's a lot of times we'll just pass another saint because we want to reach a sinner. Hallelujah. But that's good. We need to do that. But at the same time, we need to shake one another's hands too and say, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sister, in the house of the Lord with a big smile on your face. Amen. I'm just saying, I, I do it, I do it, and I love to look into the people's faces and see the smile, and I love to see Jesus shining right back because I have something in common with my brothers and my sisters. Amen. We need love. We need love. Amen. We need love. So I digress quickly to the story of Abraham. Abraham loved God so much that he had the faith in God to believe and trust God for whatever God intended to do in regards to the sacrifice of his only promised son. I don't know about you, but I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel the Spirit of God doing a deep work in the hearts and the souls of the people in this congregation because of a pastor and because of leadership that has a vision for what we have right now it's good but we want more and we deserve better because we're children of the king God wants you to understand that he wants to do something in each and every one of our lives and when we study and we look at the scripture in Hebrew 11 it says by faith Abraham when he was tried offered up Isaac and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now think of a, as a parent that has had a child. Try to put yourself and understand and put yourself in the shoes of Abraham. Or someone that you dearly loved so much. Or a child maybe that you have adopted. Or a good friend that just imagining that you had to give up that relationship. Give up that. Here, here is a, a promise that was given to Abraham. The seed. The seed was going to be beyond the, the stars and beyond the sands of the sea. And all of these, these promises. And here God is asking Abraham to offer up his only son. He had other sons but his only son which was the promised son. Which was Isaac. Try to put yourself, try to fathom that, try to understand that. 
Sacrificing your child? Faith. Faith. It had to take faith. It had to take faith for Abraham to be able to uh, do that. Offered up Isaac. That's out of Hebrews 11 and 17. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. It says that he received the promises. So in Abraham's mind, he already received it. He already had, had it conceived. It already was birthed, birthed in his heart and his mind. And he understood and he believed that he already had the promise even though he was going to have to give up his son. I don't understand that. How do you fathom that? How do you get a hold of something like that? Hebrews eleven eighteen says, Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called... Hebrews eleven nineteen accounting that God, listen to this, was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence he, whence also he received him, in a figure. Think about that. And this wasn't just the slaying of his throat and, and him dying and spill, letting the blood shed out, but this was a burnt offering. He was. That's why he said Isaac said to his dad, "What? Where's the fire? Where's the wood? Where's the kindling for the sacrifice? Where's it at?" Where's it at? And Abraham spoke prophetically and says, God himself will provide a sacrifice. Because Abraham was determined in his mind. He was in, I'm talking about the story of two trees, by the way. I know I'm digressing a little bit, but I'm speaking and trying to get this and hit this to where we all can understand this. Or try to wrap our mind around it somehow. But, but somehow, and I, I, I don't know, maybe pastor can tell me, but Abraham had a great revelation of the mercy and faithfulness of God. I don't quite understand it. But Jesus made reference to it in John 8 and 56. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And it says, and he saw it and was glad. I don't know what God showed him. But evidently it, it increased or it gave him the faith to be able to make the sacrifice in his mind, to be obedient to God. I just don't. I exactly don't know. I don't. It, it really, it just really blows my mind. I'm not exactly sure what God showed Abraham. I don't know. I just, maybe you can teach on it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But whatever it was, it was enough to give Abraham the faith to believe in God, to, to perform and keep his promise to Abraham. That's why in Romans regarding Abraham in chapter 4 it says he staggered not at the promises or the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. That same faith that Abraham imputes righteousness even to us because of Abraham. He was the first Hebrew. He was the, the first of the nation of Israel. Hallelujah. And because of that, because of his faith, a nation was born. Blows my mind. Abraham, Abraham understood something that we all need to get, and that is this. I preach all of this to say this one thing. If you're willing to sacrifice your future on the altar, God will let you sacrifice 
and kill your past. Pastor knows my story. He knows the desires of what it's like to be a preacher and traveling and getting ahead of God sometimes. And but I, I'm not here to pat myself on the back. But I was willing to submit and do what what God told me to do. In my mind, I was already in Oklahoma. In my mind, I was already going to be preaching revivals all over down in the South and Oklahoma and Mississippi and a whole bunch of churches down there and connections that I had. But I did what God wanted, not just for me, but for my family and for this church. And it's that way with each and every one of us. But we've got to be willing to lay down our future, our ambitions, and all the desires that, that we think that we want or we think that we need when we're right in the hot will of God where God wants us to be. The pastor had mentioned in one of the podcasts about how only God can go back to the rooms of our past, present, or future and change things, which ultimately changes us and who we are. So in reiteration, I say again to you this evening, if you're willing to sacrifice your future on the altar, God will let you sacrifice and kill your past. And if anybody could validify that, I can. He knows my story. And I'm telling you, if God could do it for me, he can do it for you. And you can hear what the voice of the Lord is telling you in the spirit right now that you're not a failure. You're not a failure. You're not a mess up. You're not, you're not no good. You're, you, you, the, the devil has tried to come in and lie, and Brother Nelson even said it earlier. The devil's trying to lie to people, and I'm telling you what, I refuse to, to buy into what Satan and his imps want to say or what they want to say against this church. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done in a short time in, in the lives of the people in this place. We've overcome COVID I don't know how many times. Uh, we got a guy that should have died of a heart attack that's alive and doing well today. Hallelujah. We've had a lot of great things. We've had some mishaps. There's some things that happened. But we've learned to just trust in God and keep walking in the presence of the Lord. You can stand if you'd like. This altar is open. Song or worship leaders, if you want to come, that would be great. But I do want to make an appeal to anybody that just wants to be renewed and, and go deeper in the things of God. To go deeper because of the fact that, that we can be even more effective in the things of God that we do. And I close with a couple scriptures and a couple thoughts. So if you want to just begin to worship God or cry out to God, just be obedient to the Holy Ghost. We're in a spirit-filled Spirit-filled house, uh, house of God tonight. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall mount with a fervent heat. We read about that in Matthew chapter 25. 
the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness it's the holy fire of God The holy fire of God is what brings us into his righteousness. The Lord can come at any time for his church. We must be ready at all times. But just as equally important, we could take our last breath in a moment of time. Just as if the Lord was to come and split that sky, we can die that quickly in a car accident. We lost our dear brother just a couple weeks ago, a prayer warrior, an intercessor, Brother Weems, such a beautiful man. Gruff, sweet. I don't know how many adjectives you could use, but he was a great man. But that quick, God took him into eternity. And that can be any of us. So it's not just about living for the coming of the Lord. Because the coming of the Lord could be death. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord can come at any time. Just keep that in mind. Don't forget, and don't forget that this preacher is reminding you that. And I'm reminding myself. But my second appeal, I I was going to talk and address to those that need the Holy Ghost, but uh, this is mainly for the church here tonight. My second appeal is the one who God is calling to a deeper consecration and wants to bring a fresh sacrifice of your love and dedication, a holy fire, if you will. Holy fire comes from obedience, sanctification, and love for God by fulfilling what God's will is in every life that yields themselves to Him. What is your fire story? What is your fire story? Is your fire story going to leave a legacy? Is your fire story going to leave an impact on someone's life if you should depart and you are no longer here? What is your story? What is your story? What is it that God has shown you? What is it that He's shown you in visions and dreams? Uh, God wants to renew some visions and some dreams because of the fact that it can't just rely on the man of God. It should be in line with the man of God's vision, but at the same time, it should it should complement back and forth with what God is showing him because he's the man of God in the city of Olathe. And I'm thankful for a man of God that stands for truth and is not afraid to speak the truth. Hallelujah. So holy fire comes from obedience and sanctification. So you ask yourself, what is your fire story? Conformity to this world is a result of strange fire. Holy fire only comes through the mercies of God. And I close with this scripture. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed don't be conformed by strange fire don't be conformed to new ideas and new methods don't be conformed to 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 lights and bells and whistles don't be conformed to what everybody's saying but be conformed and, and not just conformed but transformed by the word of God Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's go ahead and worship the Lord.